listeners of the Calvary Cast, we are back. Episode 104. And as per our usual introduction, we've been gone for a while and now we're back. But uh, that's the way it is. I'm Graham and he's Jess. This is the Calvary Cast. That's because we're not full-time podcasters. No. And as we've decided, we've never been consistent on our releases, Mm -hmm. but we do have in our minds, we want what we put out to be more thoughtful. Right. So we put a little more, try to put a little more effort into the podcast, Mm -hmm. not just shooting from the hip. We've thought about doing some of those. And when we sit down to record them, we go, we just don't have anything to say. Yeah. Hey, speaking of shooting from the hip, I was listening to that song as you were talking Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize there were vocals in it towards the end. Did you hear that? Some yeah, woman like, goes, yo. Yeah. Is that considered a vocal? Well, it's somebody's voice. So that's Right. But it's not like a lyric. I right. Mean, no, but I've just, <laughs> I had never caught that before. Had you caught that? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I think there's like, as the song goes on, there's more lyrics, but they're probably like, yo, here we go. Right. Like, right. So when you look up the lyrics for that song or whatever it is, you know, this free song I got off of YouTube or wherever I got it. The lyrics would be rather short. I think it's a fun song. It's a good podcast introducing Mm -hmm. song. Yep. Um, Do we have banter? Not really. Okay. If we ask, do we have banter? We don't. Although, we (laughs) we haven't released an episode in four weeks, so we're kind of bad at this. Anyway, that's all. Should we talk about our topic of the day? Let's do it. of the day. After you should the, have Jenna play that one Sunday morning and see if anybody notices it. Yeah. See if anybody knows what that's from. I anyway, can, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. We always banter after we move into the topic of the day. Something, Yeah, because something comes into our mind about our it. Mind. Anyway, we are, what is our topic of the day? Well, that's hard. That's hard to explain. This isn't is a it? big topic. Uh-huh, because it's going to be, this is introducing Actually, a series of these will do. So we actually have two series going right now. Right. The Stephen Charnock Attributes of God, mm-hmm. and now this one on the Doctrines of Grace. Yes. I suppose when they're all done, can you group them in a heading in any way or no? Like if somebody were just interested in going in and hearing oh. sequentially these on a podcast app or something? I don't know. No, I don't know how to do that. Hmm. I, not, I, I don't know. I wonder if we can compile compile them and put them on the website, like as oh, sure, we then they that. could have the different yeah. episodes. Anyway, because people might want to do that, right? Especially, especially with this, especially stuff. With this this, this, this topic. Yeah, this is one we've thought about doing for a while. Yep, and we decided now is the time to do it. Yep, we decided to push the button. The button was so hot though <laughs> <laughs> that we were reluctant to push it. Why? We are going to talk about the doctrines of grace. What are the doctrines of grace, Jess? Well, at first, everybody might be thinking, doctrines of grace, we like grace. Grace is awesome, right? We're saved by grace. Some people are like, ah, doctrine. We don't want doctrine, though. Doctrine, that's boring and dry. We'll take the grace. The grace part. But a more common term for the doctrines of grace is, you don't have any, like, dun-dun-dun. I love Venn diagrams. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) All right. I've just been wanting to play that, but it didn't work. So Calvinism. <laughs> Calvinism. The five points, those ominous five points. Yeah. We we decided that it would be helpful to talk about these because 
it's it is a hot button topic among Christians generally and has been for 500 years. And in addition to that, well, actually, further than that, I mean, like go back to the time of Augustine. And yeah, sure. There, some of these yeah. same points are being fought over. They're just not systematized in the same way. That's right. And then um, I think there's a lot of confusion around what what Calvinism is or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're using the term doctrines of grace. That's not something we came up with. Nope. This has been uh, the t- this is what has these have been called historically as well, the doctrine of grace. I grew up in a church that would have never used a term, would never use the term Calvinism. Right. They would have always called these teachings the doctrines of grace. And largely, uh, maybe that's for some reason, uh, your Baptistic background, Baptistic Mm -hmm. churches might tend more towards doctrines of grace because Mm -hmm. we are not Calvinistic in our ecclesiology per right. se or our view of baptism and things like that but we do sometimes hold to the same soteriology doctrine yep. of salvation and that's why these doctrines are so controversial right yes because when you get down to what these doctrines are because people will I'm sure they've been a part of that some people leave churches over this churches are split over this yep. and and so sometimes you might go well why would we want to touch those doctrines right mm-hmm. talk about those things because everybody just fighting over them right yeah. and can we really know uh but they they are so important because they're getting to the very core of salvation that's right that's why it's contentious it should be contentious mm-hmm. to to a degree yep. right You're, and it explains like if we say we're saved by grace what does that mean yes and what we learn very quickly is that grace is expanded out to encompass an, all of God's saving activity for his people. Yeah. So this episode, episode one, this is just an introduction. We're going to spend majority of our time talking about the history. Mm-hmm. How did these doctrines come to be defined? And then we're going to deal with uh, maybe some common objections, things like that. And then uh, subsequent episodes will focus on each element individually. Right. That's kind of what we're going to do. So let's talk a little bit about the the history. Where did this phrase, doctrines of grace, the five points, where did all of this come from? Right. Well, <clears throat> we have to understand that these five points didn't come from Calvin. At least he what? did not. Yeah, right. Yeah. Isn't that What's something? called Calvinism? Right. I know. But um, it did not originate with him. However, most of it, if not all of it, derived from his writings and teaching students of his yeah and so calvin's most well-known work is are the institutes of the christian religion that he wrote that encompasses it's like a systematic theology that covers everything um from the person of god all the way you know through to the church and salvation and everything this is just when we're talking about the doctrines gates we're talking specifically we're honing in on salvation um, why we're saved, how that, you know, those kinds of things, how, how that came to be. And ultimately answers the question, you know, among many questions, but one question is, why do I believe the gospel? And those around me don't. Right. We both heard the same gospel. What's going on with that? Right. Things like that. Yeah. What made me different that I heard the gospel and said, wow, that's good news. And I embrace it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, millions of other people around me right. hear it and 
they say that's foolishness. Yes. So things like that, it answers. And I think when we come to a right conclusion about the doctrines of grace, then God is most glorified in our thinking. And that is his goal in grace because he says in Ephesians chapter 1 that his saving work is to the praise of his glorious grace. So I think he wants us to talk about these things. Yep. And I think he wants us to come to conclusions on it. Yeah. Um, and I think these are things uh, in which God has been very clear in the Bible. Right. Uh, not things that God, God is not ashamed of these things. That's right. And so if God's not ashamed, we're not ashamed of them either. Yep. So we want to talk about them. Uh, okay. So we're talking about the history of these did not come from John Calvin. Right. These are what we would say would maybe be fruits of the Reformation, right? If the Reformation work really began in earnest with the work of Martin Luther, mm-hmm. right, uh, really rediscovering the doctrine of justification by faith. Then along comes a few years later, guys like John Calvin, who really helped to systematize, right? Wouldn't right. you phrase it that way? I would phrase it that way. I think that one of the the key results of the uh, Reformation that led to mm-hmm. these formulations of these kind of, of doctrines is sola scriptura. Yes. Uh, because what the reformers really discovered, rediscovered, is that it the word of God is our yes. source of all truth and uh, right living, and it is the only source of that, not the... Not the church. The church's teachings in the sense that right. uh, they have the same authority or whatever. Right. So the reformers, like Calvin, mm-hmm. they formulated their doctrines from the Bible. Right. So they then began writing these things out for various reasons. And then eventually uh, we started getting some of the well-known confessions, uh, Heidelberg and uh, Belgic, all the way into the 17th century with the Westminster and the 1689 London Confession Puritan works about a hundred years after the reformational time. So, but it, that, that's what makes these really important is that these aren't the teachings of a man. So if you're going to come down, it, you know, people will say, well, I don't follow a man. I don't follow Calvin. Well, Calvin didn't either. Calvin followed the scriptures. Right. So what you have to do is when he draws these conclusions, then if you don't agree, you have to show them from the scripture, show them from right. the scripture. And, and there are points, and this is helpful to remember too, with theology and, in church history, right? There's progress made in these things. There's correction of error, right? Calvin didn't have everything figured out. There's yeah. a lot of things we disagree with, you know, and and that that he said, like views on baptism, mm-hmm. different things like that. Yeah. But yet there is this consistent goal to go back to the scriptures again and again, yeah. and that's what we're trying to do as well. And he grew in his understanding over the years. Yes. When he first published the Institutes, he was 27. It was way smaller than it ended up being at the end. What were you doing when you were 27? I know. <laughs> I know. Unbelievable. Now producing uh, instrument uh, institutes for the king. So, so the doctrines of grace have this reformational heritage. If you, if people are, we've recommended before. It's a book of the month, rescuing the gospel. Really helpful introduction to the Reformation for people. If you haven't read it, helps put in the historical context because there's a lot of stuff about the Reformation historically and theologically that's super significant. You need to understand it really well. Okay. Um, so anyway, we're still trying to <laughs> where do these five yeah, points Yeah, so come anyway, from? we got the five points of Calvin that are traditionally called the five points points of Calvinism. We'll call them the doctrines of grace. Yep. 
the acronym TULIP is used a yep. lot of times yep. because it's total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Right. So it spells out TULIP. Yep. Now, we can spend, we'll spend an episode, episode on each one yes. of those just explaining because there are some nuance that the titles themselves uh, sometimes need some explanation in that. Yeah. But um, it's under, it's important to emphasize this again. They did not come from Calvin. If you would have walked up to Calvin and said, I don't believe in tulip, Calvin, he would have been like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You're talking about the flower? What are we, I'm not <laughs> on the same page here. He had no idea, okay? So what happened is in the Netherlands, right? Yep. In that place I'm sure we've all been to and visited and enjoyed our time there. I love the Netherlands. Yeah. The uh, so they they had a confession. The reformers of that time were all mostly on board with what had become Protestant reform belief, right? Uh, and in this case, talking about the doctrines of grace, they all were in agreement on this, and they they wrote the Belgic Confession was was written. So the Belgic Confession would have been basically like a giant doctrinal statement. That's all it was, yes. yeah. Yes. We're okay, confessing we, these things together. Right, we right? agree with these things. Okay? And it's not just about salvation, no. but... Um, just like our, our doctrinal statement is all about creation and man's state and all those things, so yeah. very broad. So there was this, uh, uh, a man who grew up in the Dutch Reformed, he was actually became a pastor and then a professor in it. And he started writing about things that, um, and in that Belgic Confession, you would have had what tr- you would have had to look for. You wouldn't have seen tulip broken up, but you right. would see all of those doctrines represented in that confession. And um, and yes, those those a lot of those have their root in Calvinistic teaching. Like in other words, that was all part of what he taught mm-hmm. in his institutes and then his commentaries and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, but. Uh, but this man, uh, Jacobus Arminius, mm-hmm. right, uh, was, as one writer put it, the most famous Dutch Reformed theologian of all time, which is, <laughs> which is really ironic because um, he actually began teaching some things that were different than what all the rest had agreed to. Okay. And some of those uh, things circled around Interesting. The Roman seven man is he ta- is Paul talking there about yeah. uh, pre conversion uh, Paul or post conversion? We'll talk more about that in our sermon series on Romans. But uh, he was one of the first that came out to say no. He he was not talking about it as a um, Christian man there. Anyway, huh. about other things. But the main things he started denying um, were uh, about a surrounding predestination yeah. and election. Okay, and so he wrote a document. I forget what it was called. The Remonstrance. Remonstrance. No, that was his followers. Oh, that's his followers. And okay. that didn't come out until a year after he died. So he wrote oh, okay. this other document. And they use those teachings much like, you know, others used Calvin's, Calvin's institutes. Sure. And so they uh, uh, basically wrote these things. When he died, the um, his followers uh, who started to agree with him took some of his doctrines and formed them out into what are called the five Arminian articles. This mm. came out in 1610. Yeah. So here's your five points first. Calvin wasn't Calvin wasn't the first one to come up with five points. Calvinists weren't. Right. Okay. But these Arminians did this yeah. and they came out with these uh, five articles 
refuting a Calvinistic understanding of predestination. And this was in the remonstrance. Yeah. That's which, what it was. Which that word means uh, protest or opposition. Yeah. So that's where they got their name. Uh, so these are short summaries. The first one, and these, uh, the so if the Calvinist acronym is TULIP, theirs is ULTIP, as I understand it. Right. Right. So the first one is basically general election, right? God decreed to save all who believe and persevere in the faith. All others are left in sin and damnation. All right. So God just decreed that people would be saved. They're not saying it's a specific election. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the second one is a, a universal redemption. Christ died for all men so that he has obtained for them all by his death on the cross redemption and forgiveness of sins, yet that no one actually enjoys this forgiveness of sins except the believer. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesus did not die for specific people. He died for everyone in the same way. Mm-hmm. So we would say it's a universal redemption. Uh, this third point we would say, and this is the one that probably needs most explaining, the pre- uh, prevenient grace, mm-hmm. right, that there's an element of grace or light in each person that enables them to respond to the gospel. So he says, man has not saving grace of himself nor of the energy of his free will inasmuch as he in the state of apostasy and sin can of and by himself neither think, will, or do anything that is truly good, but that he is born again of God in Christ. Now, like with that statement we talked earlier, like we would generally agree with that, Mm -hmm. but there's stuff behind it that Mm -hmm. they're saying, how is it that a man responds uh, yeah, because so it's important to understand they would, ag- the Arminian would agree with total depravity mm-hmm. in our original state. We're unable to right. come to Christ and believe in him. Right. We're just unable. They acknowledge that because the scripture teaches it. What they're saying there is, and, and there are, there is some nuance depending on who you would ask with this, but this idea of prevenient grace or preceding grace is what that means. Mm. Precedes faith that God gives either everyone or those who are going to hear the gospel enough grace in their heart by the Holy Spirit that their will is just free enough to make the mm. choice for Jesus or not at the gospel. Right. So they, they would agree with the doctrine of total depravity originally, but then they would say, but we're not completely, totally depraved because God, by his grace, in spirit gives everyone right. a certain amount of grace so that if they wanted to believe the gospel, they could. Yeah. The fourth one uh, is that essentially grace can be resisted. So they say without the operation of grace, man cannot do anything good, but grace is not irresistible since men have resisted the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then the last one, the fifth point, this would be the one that, uh, you know, is is the one that most— I think people would generally disagree with in Arminianism uh, that you can lose your salvation, mm-hmm. right? Like that's yeah. the the point. Like I don't believe that. They say believers partake of eternal life and have power to strive against Satan. However, whether they can fall away and be lost is a matter that must be more particularly determined out of Holy Scripture before we ourselves can teach it with the full persuasion of our minds. But that became more solidified among their right. teaching after that was written, and they came to the conclusion you could— Lose salvation, which makes right. sense because if you can will yourself in, you can will yourself out. Right. It's not like the f- the will becomes unfree once a person is saved. Right. The only thing I'd add to that is that first one under election. Mm-hmm. They believe in election in Christ, but the but Arminius taught that 
It was an election based on foreknowledge. Yes. And the way he defines foreknowledge there is that God looked down the channels of time, saw who would respond, Mm -hmm. and elected them in Christ. Right. So it's election based on foreknowledge of somebody's belief. Right. Okay. Now, I think it's helpful, too. When we're we're stating these things, that's, that's a generalization right, of some of these, yeah. these points, you know, because some people would say, well, I don't agree with the, what we'll call the doctrines of grace entirely, but I don't agree entirely with the points made by the remonstrance. So we understand there's always some, some generalizations and things like that there. Now that kicked off a firestorm. What? In the church uh, when they put those out. And that led to a, uh, a, a meeting, if you will, uh, of uh, pastors and theologians um, from multiple countries, quite a few of them that got together in Dort or Dort, Dortricht. Dortricht. <laughs> we should really, we'd sound smarter if we could pronounce some of these European we would. deals. But, um, and that led, it's called the Synod of Dort. And out of that came the canon's door. What they did is they got all these guys together to discuss these new teachings yeah. that they knew were not good right. and were not in keeping with what they had believed Scripture was very clearly teaching. Right. And so they came together to refute those. And out of that came the canon's door, which are five really responses to the errors yes. of Arminianism. Right. And that's where you get the five points of Calvin. Right. By the time these were written, 1618, 1619, Calvin had been dead for, what, 60-plus years, right? 70, I looked it up earlier. But he, he died in the mid-16th century. Yeah, 1500s. So we're talking about quite a decades after Calvin right. had been dead. So Calvin did not come up with the five points of Calvinism. Right. And that's quite a misconception, I think, among a lot of Christians. Call them like the five points points of Dutchism. Yeah, or the doctrines of grace. Or the doctrines of grace. Much better. Yep, and so that's where those came from. Now, for anybody listening, if you're interested, you could look up the original five Arminian articles, easy on the internet. You can also look up the Canons of Dort. You can look up many resources that explain what was going on, Mm -hmm. probably in a much better way, in a history much fuller way than what we just did, and you can read those things for yourself. You should do that. Uh, so that gives us a little bit of historical context of where these doctrines come from, right? This is, you know, the canons were just like, it was a church council, essentially, is what it is. Just yes. like we had, you know, the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople, all these councils going back where where there are doctrines that need to be solidified, right? We see these things in the New Testament and then in God's grace, right, raises up men to help solidify yeah, what these things actually actually mean. So that's what's happening with Canons of Dort. Yeah. Um, do we want to touch on maybe just uh, in in closing, right? So we've talked about these are contentious. Oftentimes people bring up arguments against some of these things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The doctrines of grace or Calvinism. Um, you know, if you believe those things, probably the most common one is what about free will? Mm-hmm. And if these things are true, then I'm just a puppet. Right. Right. And we're not going to, I, what I think we'll do is just bring out some of these things. Mm-hmm. And as we go along and touch on each of these doctrines, mm-hmm. explaining them from the scriptures, things like that, what do the scriptures actually say? Mm-hmm. Right. I think we can see reasonable responses to yeah. all of these things. Yeah. But that's probably the most 
common one. Free will is a big one. Uh, another one is um, the con- the idea that God would choose some and not others right. to be saved seems to violate some people's understanding of the love of God. Yep. And, and justice. They think that just isn't fair. Right. Uh, fairness comes into issue uh, into play here. The love of God, uh, free will. Those those seem to be kind of the some of the the more common ones. Yeah, where uh, a lot of the contention comes in. Other ones that like I've I've interacted with, right? They say, well, it's actually works based because you talk about perseverance of the saints. Mm-hmm. You talk talk about the necessity of repentance in the gospel. Well, mm-hmm. that's you're just adding works to it now, and of course that is so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. You know that that's not a fair assessment, or or oftentimes, well. All the Calvinists I've ever met are the most proud people, right? And that's not really an argument against it, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, if you hold those, the only people I know that are proud, uh, I would just say no theological system has the, the hold of humility, right? right like right. pride is a universal human problem. Doesn't matter what theological system. Yep. Another super common one is, well, if you believe these are doctrines, then why would you evangelize, mm-hmm. right? And right there, the the proof of history stands against the, the that charge. Yeah. Some of the greatest missionaries in the history of the world uh, are held to the doctrines of grace. Uh, George Whitfield, mm-hmm. William Carey, mm-hmm. David Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, David Livingston, John Newton, John Newton, Adoniram Judson, mm-hmm. David Brainerd, Jonathan mm-hmm. Edwards, mm-hmm. right? All people the Lord used mightily to advance the cause of missions and evangelism yes. around the world all held to these doctrines. Because when you when we see these rightly, it it not only, in my opinion, it not only um, doesn't hamper evangelism, I think it actually fuels it. Yes. Because now all of a sudden you understand that God can save anyone. Yes. And there's actual hope in the hardest places and in the hardest hearts. Like, as you share the gospel, God saves that person yep. god changes their heart and it's fueling because it's god glorifying right. right i think that if there's a central tenet and i i would trust that like our arminian brother mm-hmm. or sister would say the same thing like we want god to be glorified mm-hmm. but man i think like when we hold to the doctrines of grace god is truly glorified and when we understand that salvation is all the work of god who's getting the glory it's god right mm-hmm. yep and uh, that that is that is definitely a central tenet um, it's also, you know what it is when we understand these rightly, it's an assuring, these are assuring yes. doctrines. Um, we, we can, we can know that God is going to preserve us. We can yes. know or say because our salvation is rooted, not in some moment in time when we believed yep. and in our will, but our salvation is anchored in the eternal will of God from before the foundation of the yes. world so that our salvation full and final glorification is not up for grabs or isn't in question at all. I mean, that is assuring and um, you can truly rest. Your soul can truly rest in the person work of Christ then. Yes. And then focus on loving others and serving and giving yourself entirely for God in the other structure. You can't really be sure you're going to be saved in the end until you've made it to the end. Yeah. And I think um, that would be terrifying. Yes. Especially knowing, you know, as we sing in that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Prone to leave the God I love. 
um, you'd have to be pretty pompous and arrogant to say, I I know I'll keep believing because right. I'm just that way or whatever. That right there would betray right. uh, pride. And you don't, that's not humility. Yep. So I think it's very assuring. And um, so at any rate, these are, uh, well, these are controversial, but actually God has not designed them to be controversial. No. They are designed to be blessings. They're designed to be encouraging mm-hmm. to his people. Yep. And very assuring to his people. Yeah. And and with that, I would say like maybe a pastoral word on this, because we know that they can be disconcerting to mm-hmm. people, right? They can be frustrating uh, you know, we've had people leave our church over these doctrines. Mm-hmm. And um, and what we want to say is, like, let's look at the scriptures. Right, exactly. Right? That's what we want to do. We're going back to the scriptures. What we're going to say on this podcast is nothing different than what you'd hear preached from the pulpit. Right, right. And as a, as a church, we're not, like, waving a banner, except mm-hmm. for the banner of Jesus and the scriptures, <laughs> mm-hmm, right? right? And so we're just saying, let's, let's unpack these doctrines, which historically have been called the doctrines of grace. Mm-hmm. We preach these things. Let's talk about them in their historical context, mm-hmm. their significance, and yeah. why there's so much right. discussion around them. In matter of fact, I think in the main, what we will do in these upcoming sessions, we, won't, we will not quote from John Calvin's Institutes. How about that? We will only look at the passages that teach each of these headings. Right. And, um, and when I, what I do is invite people to discuss these things with us, yes. if you'd like. Uh, most people that have left over the 11 years I've been here that um, have left our church over this doctrine, I think only one maybe in that time actually sat down with me and looked at the texts and even that one wasn't willing to like really look at the various texts. He just had his verses in mind that he would, I mean there, but there was only one that actually met with me and let's look at the Bible about this. Uh, Most people have chosen not to do that and they just leave and say, I don't believe that. I can't explain to you from the Bible exactly why I don't, but I don't like what it hears, what we hear, Mm. what I'm hearing, or it's different than what I've heard. The thing is though, is you've got to be able to defend your position from the scripture. And that includes looking at the passages that have traditionally been passages that taught the doctrines of grace. And you have to be able to show how it isn't saying what it's saying. Right. And, um, because you know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't just say, I don't like the way something Mm -hmm. sounds. Right. And therefore, I'm going to just go look for something right. else. The question is, what does the Bible teach? Right. You know, what does right. the scripture say right. concerning election? Yeah. Concerning the perseverance of the saints, concerning the depravity of man. Yeah. You know? and, and there are elements, too, with some of these things where there are questions that cannot be fully answered in our minds at mm-hmm. times. And mm-hmm. so we have to leave it. This is what the scripture says. And we just leave it at that. Yeah. Or reconciled fully. Reconciled. Like we, right. we can see the scripture teaches as an example, divine sovereignty. Yes. And on the one hand and human responsibility right. on the other. And sometimes we have trouble like reconciling those right. two things. Well, everybody has trouble reconciling yes. those two things. Some things are seeming paradoxes. I say seeming because they're not in God's mind. They're completely, you know, congruent in God's mind. But to us, it seems that way. Yes. And let me also bring this up because we've used the doctrines of grace. Um, When you also hear terminology like this, the sovereign grace, Mm. 
of God and salvation. We're saying the same thing here. Mm -hmm. I think the idea, too, is in the doctrines of grace, what we see is God is absolutely, completely sovereign Mm -hmm. over everything and everyone, including salvation. He uh, is sovereign. The church I grew up in was called Sovereign Grace Baptist Church, Mm -hmm. and it was planted over these doctrines, which is, by the way, never a good idea of planting church. It came out of a church split. But um, that's that idea of sovereignty was just, that was in Calvin's mind. Yeah. God's sovereignty and his rule over all people. And I don't think we could ever be in danger of ascribing too much sovereignty to no. God. Right. You know, uh, we can be in danger in taking away, hmm. quote unquote, sovereignty from him in our minds. Yep. And I fear that's where Arminian go, Arminian goes. They take the sovereignty from God. They put it into man. Yep. They make man sovereign at least over his own destiny. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we hope this conversation is helpful. We're, we, we're praying that God would use our podcast and all these discussions to just help solidify truths in our minds, to grow us in our love and affection for the Lord. And we worship him more when we understand the nature of our salvation and how it's been accomplished. So we love to hear from our listeners. If you are part of our church, come up and talk to us, send us a text, give us a phone call. We'd love to discuss these things with you. If you're outside of our church, you can send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.